Thank you for tuning in to the Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast. If you're enjoying what you're listening to and all my amazing guests have to offer, please consider supporting the show by subscribing to our Patreon. The link is at the bottom of the descriptions. All donations go to support our ability to continue to bring you fun and informative content. We can never do it without support from the listeners like you. So thank you. I appreciate you all. And without further ado. We are live. We are live. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Check Service Industry Podcast. I am Rashawn Parker, and if you have not, please go watch my television series Beyond the Check, now streaming on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Tubi TV, it's free TV. Also, if you are listening to this podcast, know that you can listen live on Taste Made every broadcast, so you can ask us questions, and we will happily answer whatever ridiculous things you want to know. I have a fantastic guest today. He is a chef, a baker, and a chocolatier. He makes really delicious things, and we're going to find out all about him. Ladies and gentlemen, Braden Catanelli. What's up, Braden? Not much. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's Thanks a little for... rainy where I am, but otherwise, it's a pretty good day. Oh, that's good. It's, uh, it's a little rainy here, too. We've had some hailstorms <laughs> and some tornadoes recently that... Oh. Uh, tour through georgia so that was fun where are you hanging Always. out at yeah i'm just outside of philadelphia oh nice uh how many cheesesteaks do you eat a week not that many <laughs> actually so i'm not a native i don't really have it i guess uh programmed into me but uh-huh. i do love a good cheesesteak and i will say it's a little out of my realm of specialty they have been making some vegan cheesesteaks okay don't get too mad at me here people but some vegan cheesesteaks in the Philly area, can't tell the difference. They're, they're fantastic. Vegan cheesesteaks. What are vegan they using? Cheese vegan yeah. cheese. What are they yeah. using for the steak? So you're using either the Beyond or the Impossible right now, one of those products, one of the plant-based meat substitutes. Touche. Mm-hmm. I try, I tr- some, yeah, some good bread. That's the key. I mean, obviously, as somebody who works in the baking and pastry industry, that's what I'm going to say. But the, the key <laughs> is the bread. Anything you put it on the right bread. I mean, yeah. people people don't really understand sometimes the deliciousness of real real bread. Oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, like you just you're buying stuff at the store, and even at the store, you just like I'm, I'm, I'm like, where's the good bread? Is there mm-hmm. is there? Yeah, and, and there's really not. You know, like even the mm-hmm. loaves in the bakery are like just white bread, like boring. Yeah, it can, it can be. It can be a little disappointing sometimes. Whenever I see that the color of the bread is similar to kind of the pale wooden display case it's on i know i'm probably going to keep walking because i know (laughs) it hasn't been baked enough it's just like you said it's just there to kind of fill space i I want something that's really been had some care put into it uh you know if i'm going to buy a loaf of bread some heart and some hearty exactly some heart and baked on a hearth and then then you got something good uh sprouted sprouted yes oh sprouted like Mm -hmm. yeah sprouted breads can be great i know you can buy a few in the store but like making it at home do you make do you ever make bread at home i do sometimes it's it's kind of funny as you get and you spend more time in the industry you always have a love for what you're doing then though you go home and you realize all right this task that takes me 30 minutes in my office this (laughs) is now taking me three hours at home and so my solution is to grab my ingredients in the morning, 
go in 30 minutes early, just make the thing and then bring it home with me. Uh, sprouted though, flowers, yeah, they can be great to work with. You, you have to change up your working methods slightly just in terms of fermentation times because a lot of that has already happened to the actual grain before it's been made into flour. Aside from that, though, there's not because, a lot different working with those. Because it's sprouted? So it's, exactly. So it, it's, a lot of, it's sprouting is similar to its fermentation? Yeah, so a lot of the flavors that you're going to develop through fermenting the dough have already been developed through the sprouting process. Yeah. And actually... If you work with it enough, what you see is that when you do long fermentation doughs with sprouted flowers, the texture can actually be negatively affected by that. So you actually want to do generally shorter fermentation doughs if you're working with sprouted flowers. Good to know. Man, we just jumped right into bread. Dig it. There we go. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, what do you baby. want to talk about? I'll jump well, right in. All right. Well, first let's just let's just find out a little bit more about you. Uh, so you're a baker. You're a chocolatier. Um, how did you how did how did this become your passion? It's a it's a great question, and I like the word you said. You know, passion, because I think the people who are really successful in this industry, they have to have a passion for some form of it, whether it's being somebody who loves to please people and really have that hospitality aspect. We see a lot of people who don't last if they don't really love being in the industry. And the way that I got started was actually originally, originally way back in the day, I thought I was going to be a music educator. I'm a percussionist and that's actually how I applied to school. And then I learned I can't really play any instruments outside of the percussion family. And to be a true overall music <laughs> educator, you need to do that. So I shifted my focus and I thought, well, you know what? I, I love planning. So I got into finance and operations management. And I said, hey, you know what? I don't really like sitting behind this desk. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is not for me. And I'd always enjoyed baking. My mom is a really great home baker and she instilled that passion and that interest in me. So I decided after school, I went, well, let's go back to school. So I went to culinary <laughs> school and I actually started off in baking and pastry. I finished that and I said, I really like this. I'm going to go back again. So I went Could, back Just couldn't again get enough, huh? And it wasn't good enough. No. So I actually went back just for straight up culinary so that I could really be very well-rounded. And that's something I always tell people who want to start out. It's great to have a specialty, and we see a lot nowadays, people really excelling in one area and having one specialty. It is fantastic, though, when you're starting. You really need to be as well-rounded as possible because there's a lot I learned just cooking in savory kitchens that I bring every day to pastry or to bakery or to chocolate. A lot of it has to do with flavor combinations, just my knife skills, techniques, and being able to really hone what I do in the baking and pastry realm beyond what some other people can do because I have more of a well-rounded background. The more you After, know. The more you know, exactly. And knowing it is can't hurt to know more. That's right. No, did, exactly. did we watch the same Saturday morning cartoons? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. And then so after all of that schooling, I said, well, maybe I should actually go learn something else now and get into the industry. And I worked in a variety of different outlets. So I have experience working in 
hotel kitchens, in small retail, patisserie, and bakery shops, working in semi-industrial shops, both again for bakery and pastry. Those are the ones where we were still doing probably 95% of all of our work by hand in the old world artisan methods. We just would use some larger machines to help with really non-value added tasks. So for example, cutting cake. There's really no value in me cutting cake by hand if I can have a machine that's going to do it the same way every time and it's going to be perfect. Because as good as I might be, it's not going to be the same way every time perfect. And then after working in those areas of the industry with a little bit of, I talked about kind of savory cooking thrown in, being a line cook for a little bit, I actually got into the manufacturing side of the business. And now I work for an ingredient manufacturer leading a team of roughly 20 chefs and bakers who do all of the R&D for new products that are going to go out into the market, whether it's it could be a new product for a restaurant, it could be a new product for an in-store bakery in a supermarket, it could be a new product that we would call a consumer packaged good or CPG product. And we touch every aspect of the industry, which is really fun because I get to see what's going on at every level of the food industry right now. And it's really, there's there's probably nothing better. Wow, you you get to see it all. <clears throat> I get to I all. get to see it all. So basically you know what's what products will be coming to the market before the even the commercials come out, right? Like Yes, and sometimes not frequently, but sometimes we actually assist in those as well in helping with what might be needed for a commercial shoot here or there, assisting the food stylists, showing them kind of what work went into making the product in our test kitchens and so that they can have something, you know, accurate when they're doing some of that marketing work. That's super cool, man. You have a great job. I'm a little jealous. Yeah. (laughs) I like, I like to think so. And uh, being, being the leader of the team, it's even better because I get to see what everyone is doing and I get a really high level view and there's nothing better in my day than, taking the spotlight and shining it on one of my people and really letting them thrive and giving them the tools to thrive and create these fantastic products that get to go out and that everybody gets to enjoy. It's fun to be able to say to somebody, hey, have you ever eaten at this restaurant? Well, guess what? I know the person that developed the hamburger bun that you just ate. (laughs) Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Loves his dogs. Yeah. Uh, I (laughs) have... So I have three. I have three random questions on that. Uh, so, right. what, what's the craziest, most ridiculous thing that that somebody brought to you and was like, "Hey, we made this," that you just had to be like, "No, that's crazy." Ooh, yeah. like ooh, <laughs> pickle chocolate ooh, or something. A, I don't know. <laughs> ooh, you, that's a good one. You can stew on it for a minute if you want. I wrong. might. No, I might actually throw up something I developed and that I actually, I tried to get into a niche supermarket chain in a major metropolitan area of the country. And I was trying to sell them on a mango avocado cake based on some flavor combinations from Africa. 
<laughs> and they, they went along with it for a little while until I think enough of the higher ups went, you know what? I This is good. It's really tasty. Even where we are, even with the cultured palates in our area, we just don't see moving enough units, which is oftentimes <laughs> the case on any menu, whether it's a restaurant menu or what you see in a store. Mm. They have to know that they're going to be able to sell enough of it. Right. Like, and so how many things are people like our companies testing like a year that, you know, because I'm sure on, on average, what's the percentage that actually ends up with staying power? Oh, that's that's a really good question. And it depends so much on the size, the scope and the part of the market that the company is in. For example, you know, your QSR quick service restaurants, they may have more LTOs, which are limited time offers than say an in-store bakery, you know, something like an in-store bakery, they're developing around holidays, but something like a quick service restaurant, they're watching trends. Think about the chicken sandwich trend that Mm -hmm. we just went through, right? right? Something like that hits what I do because a company that might not be working in that aspect of the industry, they may need a new role or we've even helped work on coatings for just breadings. Like the pretzel pretzel bun at Wendy's, mm -hmm. right? That's an exact example. Pretzel buns become a trend and suddenly I've got 20 customers knocking down our door, so to speak, who want to know how can I commercialize a pretzel bun because (laughs) they want to get it on the menu and they want to get it on the menu in, you know, a month. Within the trend, right? You Mm -hmm. don't want to lose the trend. Exactly. Wow. So if a, if a company had enough money and they really, really wanted to make the avocado mango cake work, mm-hmm. I mean, they could do it, right? If Hostess was oh, like, no, yeah. this is our mission, mm-hmm. people will. Because it's oh, just yeah. marketing, right? Like, you know. Hey. A lot of it, a lot of it, yes. And I've worked with companies where we've had a really good idea, but they've said, you know, from a marketing standpoint, the majority of our consumers, we don't think would accept this. There's more education needed for consumers to accept this as a more mainstream concept. Got mango avocado cake? Yeah. <laughs> that That's a Good. marketing campaign uh, <laughs> that may or may not work right now. <laughs> Are you not feeling quite... Old V8's old commercial where they're just mm-hmm. sideways, right? Yeah. But a V8 was healthy for you. I talked to a guy who's just hated the Snickers commercials with a passion, right? Because Oh, yeah? Because it's mentally wrong, right? So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. eating a Snickers makes you feel full, but because that's peanuts, so, like, somehow we're supposed to think it's healthy. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, just that huge marketing campaign, the, the milk thing, like, just marketing oh, yeah. in general can control how people think and eat, and it does. Mm-hmm. And somehow that's legal. for mcdonald's to just push their burgers down your throat even though we know Mm -hmm. it's it's like basically drinking alcohol for your liver anyway and your kidneys but that's the world we live in and we have we're adults right we're trusted to make her to make her to make decisions yes we are we're also trusted with the remote to to watch (laughs) the commercial yes yes indeed all right so my second question in this vein uh, okay. what, what's the coolest thing that like let's, that you got to work on per se that was like man I am I'm just so proud of this like it, it was it's it's I couldn't I can't even believe this concept worked but like it's amazing 
oh, that I personally got to work on. That's or, again, or, that's, or the company, one of, one of, yeah. one of, uh, one, one of the, uh, one of the test chefs came up with, that you were just super impressed by. Yeah. A lot of times where I find those concepts is on, on our bakery side. And a lot of it is just being able to take the, the flavors and being able to work the sourdough into these concepts where you don't traditionally perhaps have sourdough because it's, it's an interesting point that some people aren't aware of in the industry, whether it's an artisan baker or somebody running a fully industrialized bakery, sourdough simply in its really oldest form means that the bread has been naturally leavened. You haven't put commercial yeast in there. So before Pasteur, before we were able to commercialize yeast, every dough, every bread was sourdough. Now mm. people think about that very specific San Francisco sourdough, which can only exist there and has a very specific flavor. Mm. And so it's really fun. It sounds simple, but it's really fun when you get to show somebody, well, no, 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 no. Through this idea of natural fermentation and simply the flavors we can create, look at what we can do to your product line. So I've gotten to add like sourdough to cookies and pancakes and all of these different baked goods where traditionally you might not have it, but you can do some really interesting flavor combinations, even chocolate. Because if you start thinking about other ingredients that are fermented, we all make uh, a sourdough and red wine bonbon where we're actually Whoa, taking sourdough, sourdough bread. red wine yeah. bonbon. Yeah, we'll take sourdough bread and actually work it into a, a ganache. So we're, we're taking baked baguettes, slicing them up, processing them, working them in. Then you make another red wine ganache. You have a couple of those layers. So that's almost where I really have the most fun is seeing, again, and there's a theme perhaps here, where can I put an unexpected flavor that somebody might not be expecting. That's why it's unexpected. And, <laughs> it's a and kind of getting that, yeah, getting that light bulb to to kind of go off that, oh, this this is something that that is good. This is something I like this. It's super cool. Man, I really want to try one of those now. Ah. <laughs> is that is that on but, market somewhere? Or would you was that, that for a restaurant? Is, that was for an event of Actually, winemakers. So that was an event for winemakers. I don't think it was commercialized by any of them. And we have that that happens a lot. You know, we have events and we try to push the boundaries a little bit with the specific customer because that's really, at the end of the day, how you get a trend from being in a very small part of the market to being more mainstream is you have to push on those more mainstream individuals and you have to challenge them you know in our line of work if we only do exactly what we're asked we're not helping to move the industry forward and create more kind of interesting finished goods that can be on the shelves or be in the restaurants like trends normally start in fine dining and then they filter their way into other parts of the market. All the way down to fast food, right? So the pretzel bun exactly. was probably at a Michelin star restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked its way to Burger King. Exactly. 
that's how we see a lot of trends working their way into the industry. It's like f- viral food. Yeah. Food, well, food going viral, right? It, it's funny. And now, though, we're actually seeing a little bit of a change, especially in the last couple of years, everybody being on their phones or their computers, tablets, whatever it is, they're on their devices. We're seeing some of these trends being picked up <laughs> from folks on Instagram, TikTok, all these words that I'm only partially aware of, right? <laughs> and we're seeing companies- You're on trend, sir. Jump. You're on trend. Yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> seeing companies jump on it. I mean, we saw the cloud bread. That kind of came out of nowhere on social media. And now we have people coming to us and saying, hey, how do I create that? And it's very interesting to watch that- uh, change that kind of shift in where some trends are coming from right now, you know, within the food what industry. What is cloud bread? So cloud bread, it's not actually really bread. It's a, it's a keto product that is really more of a meringue. And when they make it, it's generally in all these uh, bright colors. It's very light. It's very airy. That's where the cloud part comes from. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's, it's something the best way as in many cases, the best way to kind of learn about it or a better way than me describing it is to do a search for it and immediately it'll come up and it just kind of, it was something that existed, but in terms of people's awareness, right? The right person makes it, they post the recipe in the right place. And now there are large companies watching these areas, watching these sources, and then they come to us and they say, okay, how do we get this in our restaurant? Or how do we get this in the quick service restaurant? How do we get this in the convenience store? And sometimes they want that fast turnaround to be on trend. Right. Man, a cloud bread, looking out for cloud bread. Mm-hmm. It's in the cloud. Next thing you know, there's going to be a, it's- <laughs> a cl- cloud, cloud bread breakfast at McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I should have see. I should have said it's on a server somewhere. You just need to find it. I missed right? that joke. It's cla- uh, I, I was trying to work that joke in too. <laughs> yeah, shame, shame on me. When you uh, do the search for it, you'll find it on a server on a in server, the cloud. In the cloud, <laughs> right? Cloud bread. Yeah. Wherever, wherever clouds data crunch. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, it's with some Bitcoin and some other <laughs> cryptocurrencies. They're off somewhere frolicking. Oh my That'd god, the cloud bread coin. <laughs> Dude, cloud bread to the moon. Just there saying. you go. I'm gonna first, I'm gonna go trademark that one as soon as we're done here. First thing Elon Musk is gonna eat on Mars, <laughs> cloud bread. Oh, that's that's <laughs> that he actually, bought with his Dogecoin. <laughs> that's that's fascinating, actually. So where I work, we actually have a mission to Mars, and we oh, are actually studying with universities how food can be produced on Mars. Awesome sauce. What are we producing yeah. on Mars? So because we're bakery experts and fermentation experts, first and foremost, that's how the company I work for started over 100 years ago, where we actually have created an ecosystem at our headquarters of sealed containers that, to the best guesses of the folks in the space agencies, because we actually have contact with NASA and the European Space Agency, and we work with them what a habitat might be like on Mars. We've recreated them at our headquarters out in the parking lot. (laughs) And we're growing wheat in there and making bread in as close to what we think that sealed environment on Mars is going to be. Cool. So how are you, 
I mean, obviously you made greenhouse to grow the weed. It's yeah, yes, it, it's in the parking in, lot. Yes, so this is all over actually in Belgium, and we actually just built an entire center dedicated to this and to the kind of the future of food. I mean, they're and they're working on what I love about this. They're working on some fascinating stuff. So they're working with one company that's creating robot bees because of the issues we've had with bees. And the thinking is, okay, if we can figure out how they work in these containers and how they might work on Mars, well, we can figure out how they can work here to help us here and now. Same thing with the way that they're working on water reclamation, water recycling, right? Keeping the water within that closed system in these containers. Mm -hmm. They're learning different new ways that can actually be translated not only eventually when we get to mars but back but here, here on now. earth exactly right we don't we didn't need the innovation just to stay here right because mm-hmm. because we're lazy yeah but exactly. if we want to go to mars <laughs> mm-hmm. innovation has to happen which exactly. benefits not only mars but also us here on earth because we're so mm-hmm. freaking wasteful here because we think it's unlimited we think we can Mm -hmm. just do whatever we want we feel like we can just do whatever we want we know we can't but -hmm. yet there's no stopping us but getting to mars and being forced into such an environment where Mm -hmm. everything's a necessity the tiny this bit it's like being on dune right you're just like i need every drop of water Mm -hmm. to survive and if you waste that water well Mm -hmm. fuck you right yeah i was thinking exactly that and I, I look forward to that day when when we actually have developed the things that are necessary to live on Mars, and then hopefully we actually implement them here. Because mm-hmm. without without trying to go to Mars, we probably would just like just keep wasting, keep wasting, mm-hmm. keep wasting, and we're still just wasting, even though we know better. It's 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 a, it's a huge. I think the human race lives in a perpetual cognitive state of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you know, cause, yes. Because there's nothing I, we personally can really do about the larger situation. Mm-hmm. But there's also, you know, we also know better. So yeah. stuff. And I, I would say, just to put a button on that, again, we see through my role, I see what's going on in pretty much every part of the industry. And it's a, it's a concern. I mean, throughout the the service industry, you know, the food-focused part of the service industry, everyone is looking at a few different areas. Like how can we not waste, right? So whatever we create that used to be waste, how can that not be waste? How Mm -hmm. can we either not create the waste or use the waste in a sustainable, now that the big word is upcycled manner, or how can we simply bring in less input? Because you basically have two parts of that system, input, output, right? And a Mm -hmm. lot of people focus on the output. But now we're seeing a lot of people also focusing on the input and these different food factories or even restaurants. How do we bring in less? How do we simply create a system in which that waste is never going to be created? This is a huge question right now for the entire food industry that we're searching to find answers for very quickly. I mean, I can say I've been tasked. I have, we're in 2022. I have three years to make my six test kitchens water neutral and carbon neutral. Really? So yeah, three years, three years, three mm-hmm. years. So basically all your water in the buildings needs to be recycled and brought back. Yeah. And all reusable bowls, plates, yeah. 
spoons. Yeah, and this is. I mean, you, yeah. that tin foil pan that you're going to use at some point for something, you got to use it again. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, a lot of it's just gone. Uh, there's a big shift you see in the industry, too, especially with the inflation in the metals, cost of metals over the last year or two. People are willing to pay more upfront in putting out the capital expenditure to buy just reusable. You know, we're definitely seeing as soon as people now are more comfortable and don't need everything disposable, you know, as we move through the pandemic, we're seeing people getting back to reusable, washable in terms of, you know, what would have one day in the past have been disposable. Right. And it'll There's, take some time, but we'll get there. They have all these fancy silverware kits on the market now mm-hmm. where it's just a little pocket pouch of like, you know, your utensils. So if you mm-hmm. are out and about or have to eat fast food somewhere that you don't have to take the plastic fork because you carry this really adorable yep. little mm-hmm. fork, spoon, and knife in your pocket, right? Yeah. It's like the spoon, the straws, right? The metal straws. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I think it's easier for women because they have purses. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, we do our best. Cargo pants aren't aren't trendy anymore, so... It's, yeah, hard to, see, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to carry as much stuff as we did in the 90s. As as a dad of two, I still have no problems with cargo pants because I'm not cool. I know I'm not cool. <laughs> I will embrace not being cool. You know, I'm just going to lean into it. It's that or I'm going to find something like, uh, you know, the old fanny packs. But I'm going to call it the Bat Belt. I don't mind. There you go. You know, I'll Make put it a cool. Batman logo on it. Boom. Done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 have, I think I sell some cargo shorts that I wear on set sometimes just like carry extra yeah. stuff but my wife mm-hmm. wouldn't let me walk out the house <laughs> if i was wearing her pants though she though i do i 99.9 percent i'm just wearing nothing but a tracksuit mm. so like and she lets me leave the house in that mm. so it, it doesn't have cargo pockets though so mm, yeah eh. that's a con <laughs> in terms of carrying yeah carrying mm-hmm. capacity mm-hmm. you have to get like the ring of carrying capacity or the emblem of carrying capacity something like that to increase uh here's the thing i've been talking about lately and i think you might find interesting Mm -hmm. so uh generation x my theory i'm on the cusp i mean the generation x or millennium 1979 right so i'm like man right there yeah um but like our great grandparents right they you know were farm to table right Mm -hmm. majority of everything was farm even the original mcdonald's probably Mm -hmm. you know Farm to table meat yeah. back. Oh yeah. And then we ended up in the middle of this entire consumption age, right? Where fast food became the thing where mm-hmm. where everything's filled with with nitrates and bullshit and things that keep it shelf stable for years and years and years and years. And that's what we've all been accustomed to eating. And in the middle of that was, I don't know, probably what, like the eighties. 90s, 1990, like at the peak mm-hmm. of just like the shit show. And then now we see this huge reversal finally, right? Of mm-hmm. people coming to the realization that, oh, milk's bad for you. And oh, like I've been fooled by the media <laughs> and maybe health isn't what I'm told on TV. And maybe mm-hmm. I should actually talk to a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. Right. And so now we're work- we're trying to fight our way back out of it. We created this huge problem for at least America, and we spread America's notion of this consumption around the world. And so the backlash is finally hitting us. 
And so we're working our way back, like like you said, using every part of everything. And back in the day, everybody used every part of everything. Your yeah. milk bottles mm-hmm. were returned mm-hmm. and recycled. Like, yeah. you know, and that wasn't that long ago. That's our great grandparents. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And and so that little this little bit of time, this like 40, 50, 60 years mm-hmm. of over consumerism and just a, a lack of knowledge on health, I think, is finally working its way back in, and we're on the flip side of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's exciting. What do, you, what do you think about that? Oh, I think you're 100% correct, because, again, all we have is our experiences to fall back on a lot of the times. And my experience right now is what we call health and well-being, and a lot of our customers are coming to us, again, regardless of where they sit in the industry, small bakery on the store, on the corner, all the way to you know a factory that makes products for whatever, 500 stores. They want to get rid of any ingredient that they cannot pronounce. And some of those ingredients, it's funny, are actually considered natural. A lot of them are seaweeds. They're, they're ingredients that if you know about them, there's really nothing inherently wrong, so to speak, right? right? Use my quotation fingers wrong with Mm -hmm. them, but they are hard to pronounce. And so we're constantly looking at ways to reduce or eliminate those ingredients. We're constantly looking and being asked by the industry, can you put less sugar? And the funny one now with sugar is they don't even want sugar alcohols. So when you see all those different uh, labels where it ends in like O's or something to that toast, effect uh, so okay, like yeah, yeah. you know sucralose, sucrose yeah know, sucr- like they don't sucralose. even want some of those that give you zero calorie they want to mm-hmm. find other ways and so we're that's a big project working on that especially in chocolate you see that a lot and so no people there's definitely an interest and it really comes back to your good point about our move away from a regionalized food system And I've had this conversation with a number of people about how can we still maintain food quality and still maintain and meet the expectations of the consumer about what kind, even what kind of food is available while moving back as much as we can to a regionalized production model that's going to cut down on the distance that the food is shipped because that cuts down on the carbon footprint that also increases jobs. We can create more jobs in the industry if we produce food locally versus centralizing it and then shipping it out. It is an, a question and a discussion that touches every aspect of our industry, every aspect of what we do. And you are, again, 100% correct in that the way that we're shifting is towards health and well-being, less sugar, less fat, uh, more fruits, more grains, more seeds, more whole grains. It's more what real people, food. Yeah, it's what Seasonal people are food. demanding. And it's something that for me is fascinating because of my work, I get to see what's going on in so many different areas and to get to help push people in that direction as a, you know, as an ingredient manufacturer we can take full responsibility. We can actually say to our customers, you know, we're very sorry. And we've done this before. Uh, we eliminated red food coloring a while ago from a bunch of products. We just said, why are we doing this? This makes zero sense. So guess what? We're very <laughs> sorry, cut. but you love red velvet cake. We're not the company to sell it to you anymore. 
because it's really sorry. just it's really just coloring, right? The the red right. is it, just coloring. exactly. It's like if you want to make the choice to add color to this cake, have fun. <laughs> we are not going to buy the red coloring or sell it to you any longer because it's and, pointless. <clears throat> yeah, and it's up to you know it's up to the companies that can do that. In my opinion, to to do that, to take a stand and to push the industry back in that direction. Man, that is a hell of a task you have been had put on your shoulders, yeah. sir. Yeah. How's yeah. it going? I mean, replacing sugar and chocolate. Uh, do, you, do you know, do you ever use carob? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know just a little is? bit. Yeah, yeah, my mom's I an mean, herbalist, so we didn't have chocolate when I was a kid. We had fucking carob. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I mean, it's... It, there's different but how, ways. How, how so do you get how do you get the chocolate out of sugar? And I think part of the problem with with the sugar in and of itself is that people eating it aren't just eating it for the flavor that because you're mm-hmm. you know you're going to notice that your dopamine didn't spike right because you're mm-hmm. not getting that that high you normally mm-hmm. get off of eating chocolate. Yeah. That does it matter if we actually get it to taste exactly the same if if we eliminate the effects that people are desiring from it. You know what I mean? That yeah, no, definitely. That's a very interesting one, and that's somewhere where we struggle because if you want to take sugar as an example, you hit it. There's not only the flavor of it. There's not only the reactions in your system. It's a preservative. If you have mm. more sugar in a product, it does what's called lowering the water activity. Water activity is a measure of water that is available for other reactions so Mm. the less water that's available in a product the more likely the product is to last longer because less can grow in said product so there are and it's not just sugar all of these ingredients have functionality that some people might not think of and so when we're trying to create you know a more sustainable more healthy food system we have to solve these problems and multitude of issues you're not mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah i didn't even think about that and there are companies yeah there are companies who are sweetening chocolate only with what they can get from the pod because you do have that pulp in the pod that you can take and process and use as a sweetener mm. you have yeah you you have companies that are finding non-sugar alcohol agents that they can use to fill out where some of the sugar was while still keeping the sugar but reducing it you know 20 30 percent and there's a lot of different solutions to to that specific question and yeah how much tasting do you have to do how much chocolate do you have to taste on (laughs) me personally i don't have to do that much no Uh, you know i maybe personally no because my job is really now based in leadership and team management. And I go in, when I go into the office, I always walk around and they offer me what might be being made, but I'm not normally part of tasting panels. I mean, the people who are really creating the products, just like a chef in a restaurant, you're tasting it every day, right? You're tasting everything you make all the time while Mm -hmm. you're cooking. I mean, Mm -hmm. There's a few things if you're looking to get into the food industry, you have to make sure that you always remember to do. The first one is clean as you go. If you don't clean as you go, I'm kicking you out of my kitchen. Get out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> the second one is taste as you go. Even for pastry, for bakery, if it's food safe, taste it. 
right? I mean, they're most bakers, they taste their dough. It's mm. flour, sugar, salt, yeast. You can taste that. Now, if you haven't put raw egg in it, taste it. You know, there can be, I will, I will say, disclaimer, there can be concerns around unbaked flour. There actually are heat-treated flours where those are less of a concern. That's where you see, like, these ready-to-eat cookie doughs. They're heat-treating everything uh, before they're mixing it so that it is stable. It's food-safe. So my ben, speaking, my, ben no. and Jer- my ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream, mm-hmm. totally fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I know the guy who invented the cookie dough for that, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Nice. He uh, plays the harmonica, cool guy, and uh, yeah, real nice guy. He oh, uh, lives up in Vermont. Yeah. And, but that's food safe because generally it's always a heat treating process. If you think about pasteurization of eggs, it's, it's a heat treatment. Right. If you pasteurize an egg, even if it appears raw, you can theoretically drink that egg. Right? Anything, if it's been handled properly post-pasteurization, then it's fine. That's where you see the tetra-packed milk. And think about it. You have milk in this country, in the U.S., refrigerated. You mm-hmm. also have it in the center aisles because it's been pasteurized in such a way that it can be packed in a sterile environment in that tetra-packing. And That's it's what they do in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't refrigerate milk in Mexico, and there's exactly. like five different kinds of milks. It's yep. not. It's I don't even know what they are, but there's so many mm-hmm. different types of milk. I'm just like, what the hell are all these milks? I mean, mm-hmm. we have a few, right? We have four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> skin D two percent chocolate, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, they're all on the shelf. And the first mm-hmm. time I was in Mexico, I was just like, is this safe? Like, how is this? Yeah, but that's that's how, huh? Yeah, it's it's all uh, it's all thanks again, Louis Pasteur. Thank you, you know, pasteurization. So thank you very much. Thanks, Louis. Appreciate yep, you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so did you ever, when you were first getting into chocolate, uh, I imagine you made chocolate at school, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever make chocolate at home for the kids? So I make. It's really two separate areas. So the short answer is yes. I mean, I buy chocolate and make chocolates for them. Uh, chocolates. I, I don't have at home what's needed to make truly refined chocolate. So have you seen any YouTubers making chocolate at home? A little bit. Or like the TikTokers? And yes. And how, that's how, why I, how bad are they messing it up? <laughs> now, see, so that's interesting. I, I've learned... And it's a, a life goal of mine to not be judgmental. We're too often judgmental, I think, before. Our first instinct should be to have empathy and understanding. And as, mu- as a great of a soundbite as that makes or a headline, watch so-and-so totally screw this up. Isn't it funny? <laughs> I try to get away from that. And that's actually why I added that caveat where I said really refined chocolate. Because, yeah, I could buy what I need. I could buy the beans and I could do it at home. You're never though going to get it as refined, meaning the particle size that's in the chocolate the as silky small. Smooth. Right, exactly. So if you buy, you can actually buy in most stores now, a lot of times they sell it as Mexican hot chocolate and there are these uh, oftentimes small round tablets that you can break off and make your hot chocolate with. If you ever actually taste that though, it's not nearly as refined, meaning the micron size of the particles in the chocolate are larger. So you, your sensory perception, you actually can perceive 
those particles. So it, it's perceived to you as being grainy. Mm-hmm. Where when you have the Hershey's. type of modern refining systems mm-hmm, we have in factories, whether it's a five-roll refiner or a ball joint refiner, whatever it is, you're not going to perceive that graininess. So really, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with what any of these people are doing. If they're doing it in a safe, sanitary manner and they get a product that they like and works for what they're doing, fantastic. What I say now is, you know what? You like what you like. If it's good to you, then it's good. Let's move on. I just Carob. It's not for me. Okay, Carob. Okay, maybe now we'll back up. Let me back up. Rewind. Carob is horrible. But no, again, if it, if it fits your diet, hey, you know what? Great. Great. It doesn't work for what I do professionally. That Correct. doesn't mean anybody shouldn't be using it if it works for what they do and it fits in their lifestyle. That's great. We had a we had a carob block that had like art on it, like it was literally like inscribed oh. <laughs> and it's like beautiful, like oh wow, like like castle and like fields and stuff. It was like a mm-hmm. picture frame carob that like oh I wow. My, I wonder if my mom still has it. It was beautiful, right? Yeah. But it was it was just this huge picture frame of carob with this gorgeous like art in it. We never ate it. Oh. But we had it, and I don't know why. I'm really curious oh. about that now. I just thought of it. Huh. <laughs> That's cool. But it was, you know, carob is art, not for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. I think that was my point. Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. That, what drives me crazy is when, I mean, food is art to a point, but food is for eating. I have so much respect for people that can make a cake look like a thing. Like, okay, they made this cake, and it looks like my microphone. Great. Fantastic. But why did you do that? There are hungry people. Just make a cake they can There's eat. There's a whole please. show about it now. Have you seen I it? I know. Oh, it drives me nuts. Is it cake? Not... Is it cake? It, is that, yeah. That's the name, right? That's the name of the show? It, I think it is. It drives me crazy <laughs> as somebody focused on trying to make our industry more sustainable and, and environmentally friendly. And are just throwing cake around everywhere. Yeah. I just look at it and I go, please tell me that at the minimum you're composting that cake. Please, please, please tell me it's getting put back in a field somehow. I mean, I, hopefully the crew's at least eating it, right? Somebody's, somebody's or, eating that cake. Exactly. Not, not wasting or the that. cake, I hope. Right. Exactly. But, you know, I was hoping that the that reality TV was coming to a close. But now they, I just read that they're uh, <laughs> releasing uh, new Real Housewives of Dubai. Oh. So I guess that fad's not over yet. It's still trending. Uh, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to not watch it. I'll add it to the list of reality TV like, I'm not watching. Apparently, they already did all the cities in America, so they have to go to Dubai. I guess. I, I guess it's a, it's a very extensive list for me of of reality TV. I'm I'm Speaking, not watching. Right, but you you've been traveling a lot recently, yeah. You've, you've making making some rounds around some places. I don't know. Your email uh, always comes back as like. I'm traveling, but I'll get back to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I was just traveling recently for uh, opening a new test kitchen. Oh, cool. So, Where yes. At? Yeah, we have uh, in Issaquah, Washington State. So, just outside Seattle. Wow, cool. Love Washington. I, my favorite mm-hmm. beach oh, days yeah. are, are gray and uh, rainy. So, <laughs> Washington really works out for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it it was sunny and nice when we were there. Really? That's and nice. we yeah yeah we just we opened a new test kitchen. So that's it's part of my job. I manage six test kitchens around the country, and we had an event. We had a lot of customers coming in. It was fun because what we did 
is at least on the pastry side, which is my specialty is more pastry and chocolate. I'm capable as a, as a baker, but the bakers in the company will tell you, just get me out of there when there's really a lot to be done. They're like, no, 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 send him back to pastry land. <laughs> what we did is we made all the pastries, and this is funny based on what I just said, but we made them look like other items, but specifically fruits and vegetables. So, you know, uh, we made a cake that looks like an apple, a cake that looks like a mushroom, a cake that looks like a potted plant, a carrot, a pebble. And so, <laughs> you know, because Washington state is so you joke, it's gray. It's a very green state in many ways, especially around oh, yeah. Seattle, right? Sustainable food and the sustainable food system is very important. So we decided to have some fun with that. And we decided to make everything almost look like it could be at a farmer's market. Right. And you didn't, maybe you didn't know at first glance. Is it cake? Yeah, exactly. Is it cake? (laughs) Mm -hmm. The the difference was these were, they were meant for eating. So we made them with the express intent of feeding them to people, not fooling them. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just impressing them. This is the best apple I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This (laughs) apple is full of cake inside. Wow. Where'd you grow it? (laughs) I grew it in this test kitchen over on 45th Street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 47th Street, but very close. Have you been watching us? No. Was I really that close? (laughs) No. No. I just just decided to go along with the joke. Dig it, sir. (laughs) Nice. Uh, What are you having for dinner tonight? My plan right now is to make fried rice. I'm sure that plan will change. It often does when my wife looks at the menu I write out and she goes, yeah, no, don't want that anymore. <laughs> but that's what, I, so. that's what I'm making. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I'm making stuffed peppers, to which my wife nice. said in the store, I was like, you know what? I haven't made stuffed peppers in a long time. And she goes, mm. I'm like, so, no, fine. No, yeah, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then we made it halfway through the store and, and she finally was like, do I even like them? I don't know. I'm like, what's in them? So I'm like, it's like beef, corn, beans, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. She's like, all right, fine. So I went back and I bought, I got the peppers. So nice. <laughs> so we're doing a welcome to dinner, stuffed peppers, super simple, like 1970s mm-hmm. style. Nice. Hey, that's good. I, You know what? The older I get, and I don't think I'm old yet. I do say though to people, the older I get, I definitely am trying to simplify all of my cooking, bring it back to the real basic techniques, bring it back to really being all about the flavors and just making something that people will enjoy and love and making it less about my ego and showing just what I can do. Oftentimes, because you can do a thing is not a reason to To do a thing. I completely agree, sir. Mm-hmm. That's like, why I, I, I watch some of these people, and they're just like, "Oh my god, how many? What the ingredients list is like two pages long." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you really need all of that just to make? Yeah. That? I don't know that you did, but yeah. Go I'll to tell town. you. I just I just hired a fellow, filled the last position on my team. He sent me for his interview an ingredient list, eh, maybe fifteen ingredients long, and that was to make. I told him five items. He made 14 different recipes. The list was like 15 ingredients. That's all he wow. needed. Most of And he just came. Yep. In one day, it was phenomenal. 
He is a, he is a certified French master baker, which mm. is one step below the highest level of honor you can have as a baker in France. He has to pass one more test to have his MOF, which is the, the three master colors of the French flag. But they, they have their own you know, mastery uh, certification. So yeah, he, he, that's a great example. You know, keep the ingredients simple, fresh, seasonal, and you're always going to win at the end of the day if you do those three things. Most impressive. I mean, Taco Bell pulls it off with like five ingredients, so. (laughs) (laughs) I have never, in all seriousness, I have never eaten there. Are you serious? You Mm -hmm. you know, it was was reported as the healthiest fast food restaurant in America. Oh, wow. If, If you order the right things. Okay, I know I know them a little bit. Um, really nice people. I really? cannot say, in all seriousness, yeah, yeah. The folks who work there, I've met some of them at events, right? Because we all go to the same industry shows. Super, everyone I've ever met that works at that company, super nice, super awesome, just down to earth, chill people. You hear that? People stop giving Taco Bell a hard time. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it, the truth is, it actually is. Like you, you can go there and just get a black bean and burrito mm-hmm. with salsa and lettuce, right? And there's not that you yeah. know that's super healthy. Mm. You can't go to McDonald's and get anything nearly that healthy. Yeah. Like so, kudos to you, Taco Bell. Way to have things that won't kill us. <laughs> yeah. Again, I from experience, I haven't actually eaten there. Not. It's. Just, I, I cannot believe you've made it your whole life and never had like yeah. a. No. Never like a, the Chalupa commercial never pulled you in. No. No. Man. I I don't eat out that much. Never have. Well, good for you. Keep it up. And yeah, you might, we just uh, that might get you in the Guinness Book of World Records, depending on how long you live. <laughs> I have this a man goal. went 105 years, never had Taco Bell. Mm. Winner. I'm going to contact them because we had thought at the office there was actually a record we were going to go for, and then through a whole lot of circumstances, we ended up not going for it. It got me interested though in in that book and in those records. That uh, so now I have one. Now I have one I think I can try for. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I do, I do what I can, Red. Do what I can. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you want to give any shout outs? Where can we follow you? Um, any say hi to the kids, whatever. Uh, the best place, as I said, I am at best uh, probably a Neanderthal on social media. You, you will find me and you'll probably curse yourself for having done so. <laughs> <laughs> so remember how we talked about the power of marketing i'm very good at marketing myself the best place really if you just want to keep up and if you think that anything that i've said is interesting uh is to check out the podcast that i host and it's called epicurean unicorn it's on every major podcast platform and it's because the logo for the company i work it's a unicorn you can see it on my shirt it's right there so we thought it would be a fun little joke just to work that into the title Right. You know, because it's kind of silly and we're kind of silly. So we don't take it too seriously. We just talk to interesting people within the food industry. So, I mean, we've talked to, I mean, for example, like Jacques Therese, we've talked to him, uh, the chocolatier, Chris Harvey, uh, the baker and author, Peter Reinhardt. Right. We just talk to interesting people and have casual conversations. And if you look up that podcast in the show notes, you're going to find all my social media handles. Um, so don't do that for your own sanity. Just probably don't do that. <laughs> but listen and, to the uh, podcast. But listen. Yeah. Listen to that. Check it out. And that's the best way just to keep up with anything 
interesting that I might say. And uh, just fair warning, I always try to work in Star Trek because it's my favorite thing. So <laughs> have fun. There's the new Star Trek show coming out. Did you see that? You see that? Oh, Strange New Worlds? Strange New Worlds, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. I haven't I haven't watched any of like, the side ones. I was never really mm-hmm. big into like Space Nine or whatever the hell that was. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, Deep any, Space Nine. But uh, I did watch the original, and I loved... Um, next generation so i think mm-hmm. i'm gonna watch i think i'm i think i'm in for this one too so yeah the, the the captain a few of the characters the captain pike spock number one they were all on discovery and i have to say that uh, the actors nail it the casting folks they nail hiring these actors i'm very excited and most of the people i know uh, who enjoy star trek are also very excited and just like Star Trek, Braden, you're, you, you're going to play an integral role in getting us out into the stars to explore unknown well, <laughs> regions and undiscovered planets. So, yeah, yeah, yeah our team, thanks. yeah, thanks, buddy. Our long, yeah, <laughs> it's not me. It's our, it's our long-term research team. They are, they're working on it. Hey, as long as someone is, then maybe we mm-hmm. have a chance at uh, surviving for a few more hundred years. <laughs> uh, that's, I hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> certainly do as well, sir. Well, thank you so uh, much for hanging out with me. Super insightful, and uh, I learned a lot. I hope you all learned a lot too. Um, man, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast. And yeah, if anybody has questions for me, just go find the Epicurean Unicorn podcast. You'll find an email to me. You'll find social media links to me and reach out. I am truly very open to hearing from anybody, any questions. That's why I do what I do is to try to help people and try to help anyone grow and anyone that wants to know about the food industry. I'm going to answer your questions. Fantastic breadth of knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Braden Cadinelli. Thank you so much, sir, for hanging out. Have a wonderful day. Tell the kids I said hi. And, uh, yeah, make deliciousness, sir. I have faith in you. Oh, thank you so much. Take care. I'll try. You also have a great day. Awesome. Cheers. All right. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, go watch my television series, Beyond the Check, and go follow us on Tastemade, Tastemade, front slash, beyond, dash, the, dash, check, and uh, look out for more. Cheers.